Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Wednesday edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen, 704-570-1110. And guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter slash X for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. Had you been following me on X, you would have realized that there was a big preview for tonight's show because we're going to get into a lot of different things about Dan Bishop and Patrick McHenry. You know, I spoke a little bit last night about, you know, my relationship, not so much with Patrick McHenry, the new interim Speaker of the House, and maybe he'll be the full-time Speaker of the House. Who knows? But my relationship with his family, you know, I've known his a brother and sister. He's got also, he's got two brothers, both older. I know the middle brother and I know the sister pretty well. And I used to work for their dad. So, but there's a lot going on with that whole situation that has a lot of ramifications here locally, including Dan Bishop. So we'll talk about that. We've also got some things going on at CMS that I haven't seen reported anywhere. So I'm going to break some news. I don't know if it's like big time news or anything. It's not like that. But it's just interesting stuff that's been going on at CMS that you don't know about because no one else is reporting it and no one else has the info that I've got. So I'm going to report that. But if you follow me on Twitter slash X at Brent underscore Jensen, you would understand what I'm going to talk about first tonight. And that's how a local county commissioner, she goes by the name of Susan Rodriguez McDowell. She represents District 6, which includes, you know, Mint Hill, Matthews, I think even Pineville, that whole eastern side of Mecklenburg County right there that borders up against Union County. She represents a good portion of it, but all of Mint Hill and Matthews. And last night in the middle of the county commissioner's meeting, she started lamenting and just showing her frustrations at how a town in her district, Mint Hill, got $18 million, actually maybe a little bit more than $18 million from state Republicans in the new budget. She's not happy that a town in her district actually got money for its police department, its historical society, its brand new recreation community center that it's going to build, $16 million for that. Not happy about the Chamber of Commerce getting money. She's just, oh, and the town's athletic association. She's not happy that it got funded or given some money as well. She's not happy that a town in her district is being helped out immensely by the state of North Carolina and the Republicans that basically helped put this budget together. You don't believe me? Take a listen for yourself as what she said last night. And then just lastly, um, the attachment with the local funding. Um, mm-hmm. You're so, let me just say, you're so good at being, having the neutral face. <laughs> I just, I just admire you. <laughs> You have the neutral face so well. She really does. I don't have the neutral face, um, and so I kind of envy you. Um, the I just have to draw attention to the local funding. And uh, do, does anybody notice how out of balance these uh, local fundings are? Uh, just even what's 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 on this list. You've got uh, Go some towns. <laughs> Getting, like, let me just say, Matthews, $390,000. You've got Huntersville getting $3.2 million. Um, You've got Cornelius getting $1 million. 
Davidson getting 1.15 million. And then lo and behold, we have Mint Hill with 18.3 million. <laughs> Just on this slide, I think it could even be more than this. And my understanding is that they weren't even asking for all of these things. Um, I'm just drawing a line under this and noting it that these are, this is just incredible, um, the way that our state is operating right now. It's extremely disturbing. So that concludes my comments, Mr. Chairman. So there you have it. I, I'm not making this up. I, I don't know if you could make this up. A representative is upset that a town in her district is getting help. I, I've never heard that. I have never, ever heard that. So explain to the residents in your district right there in Mint Hill why you're not happy that they are getting help. And here's the thing. She might say, well, the other towns didn't get any. If she knew anything about previous stuff with Matthews, you know, because that's also in her district, she would know back in either 2008 or 2010, Matthews got a ton of money for its community slash rec center from the state budget. The exact same thing. And by the way, you want to know what the common thread was? Trisha Cotham. Trisha Cotham back in what, 2008, 2010, was a Democrat in a Republican controlled legislature. What did she do? She got money for Matthews. Even as a Democrat, she got money for Matthews to help build like the community slash rec center or whatever you want to call it. She did the same thing for Mint Hill. So obviously she's trying to take care of her own little towns. Susan Rodriguez McDowell is not happy. I don't know if she's unhappy that a former Democrat current Republican did this and that the money's coming from Republicans. I don't know if she would be upset if the money came from a Democrat legislator. I, I don't know. But she's not happy that the residents of Mint Hill are going to benefit from all of this. She's just clearly not happy. And I will never understand that. And when it comes election time, maybe she can explain to the residents of Mint Hill who are in her district, hey, here's why you should never have gotten any of that money for your police department, your athletic association, your historical society, your chamber of commerce. And here's why you should not have all that money for your community center. Here's why. I'd love to hear that. Absolutely would love to hear that. But again, she seems to forget, and a lot of people seem to forget, that the same thing happened for Matthews just over a decade ago. I don't know, either 13 or 15 years ago, the exact same thing happened to Matthews. And it all was responsible from the exact same person. So I don't understand why Susan Rodriguez McDowell is upset. She should be happy that the residents in her district actually got something. Nobody remembers Mint Hill. Mint Hill, Pineville, there are throwaway towns a lot of times in people's minds. People don't remember or think about those two towns. They think about Huntersville. They think about Matthews and a little bit of Cornelius and Davidson, not so much. But Mint Hill and Pineville, they're always the throwaway. People always forget about them. Well, guess what? This time they weren't forgotten about. And Susan Rodriguez McDowell is unhappy about it. I, I, again, I don't know why, but you heard the audio for yourself. You don't believe me? Go back and watch it over and over and over again on my Twitter feed at Brett underscore Jensen. Okay, so when we come back, let's get into some more of the stuff concerning Patrick McHenry and CMS. We got some CMS stuff to get into, as well as a few other things. All right, everyone. So again, thanks for joining me tonight. I really do appreciate it. And you are listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen here on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. All right, so we talked local government and Susan Rodriguez McDowell, the county commissioner, clearly unhappy that a town in her very district, District 6, the town of Mint Hill, was afforded and awarded all this money to make its town better. Not happy about it. She's not happy about it at all, actually. So now let's go a little bit of federal government and state government. First, let's continue the talk we had last night as we played the Kevin McCarthy speech for you live last night when he was ousted as Speaker of the House up in D.C. Again, this is impactful here locally because what does it mean for Dan Bishop? One of the reasons Dan Bishop was probably going to run or is running for attorney general is because of his association or dislike of Kevin McCarthy and what Kevin McCarthy might do to Dan Bishop to try and silence him. Also, Patrick McHenry from Gastonia represents the, what, Mooresville and what, Lincoln County, Catawba County, that district up in that area. And he is now the interim speaker of the house. So what does this all mean? Well, here's exactly how it sounded, followed up by a local report from Queen City News. On this vote, the yeas are 216, the nays are 210. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The Office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. The congressional clash ended with a close vote of 216 to 210 with several Republican lawmakers flipping sides. The effort led, uh, was led by Florida GOP Congressman Matt Gates, who accused McCarthy of breaking promises he made to win the job back in January. Now Republican Congressman Patrick McHenry of North Carolina is the acting speaker, leaving lawmakers scrambling to find a permanent replacement. Savannah Rudicell is here with reaction that's pouring in from lawmakers. Good morning, Savannah. Hey, good morning. As we were talking just in our last half hour, there are some uh, Republicans and some Democrats who are celebrating this. They think that this was a win. It was a longstanding effort that they had made and, and think that this is going to be beneficial for Congress. Others are feeling a little bit more confused and a little bit more worried about what happens next and what kind of power dynamic is going to come into this void now left in leadership. Now, uh, former Speaker McCarthy says that he will not be running for this position again, despite still having some strong supporters in Congress. South Carolina Representative Ralph Norman did not vote against McCarthy. He says part of the reason is that it's imperative to keep a Republican in that position. That'll be wait to be seen. I have no idea. I, I don't know. I, this I don't is, know who wants the job. This is where we agree. I don't know who'd want the job after how they've been Kevin McCarthy's been treated reprehensibly by members of my own conference. Now, another vote in favor of McCarthy keeping his spot came from North Carolina's Dan Bishop. The representative put out a statement saying McCarthy reflects the reviews of most House Republicans. And Bishop also says the House should, in general, work to avoid chaos. Now, the biggest question remains, of course, who will permanently replace McCarthy? We're going to look at some of the possible candidates coming up here in our next half hour here. And you know we here at WBT will keep you abreast of what's happening up in D.C. and how it impacts our local stuff here with Dan Bishop and Patrick McHenry. Okay, so also here's another report from Queen City News about the state budget. 
it actually goes into effect and what all is happening and what does it all mean? Well, it'll be harder to find out about decisions being made right now behind closed doors that will impact next year's election. The state budget takes effect today with a provision that allows state lawmakers to keep information from the public. Our Capitol reporter Michael Highland is live in Raleigh with a closer look. Michael. And top Republicans are in Raleigh this week working to redraw the state's electoral districts. And through the budget taking effect today, they specifically eliminated a provision that would have made records about that process public. It's not just about how North Carolina spends money. Three months late, the state budget went into effect Tuesday. Check here. It allows Medicaid expansion to take effect, cuts state income taxes, and includes pay raises for state workers and teachers. And it allows for tax relief, but it doesn't jeopardize the fiscal stability of the state. With the pay raises 7% on average over the next two years, some state workers say that won't be enough to fill thousands of vacant jobs. The public's not safe right now with the level of understaffing in state government. Our services are woefully inadequate. Beyond the dollars and cents, Republicans included a variety of other changes to state law, including some that make it harder for the public to find out what's happening at the legislative building. Republicans are meeting this week to redraw the electoral districts for Congress and the General Assembly. How they do that will play a key role in how easily Republicans and Democrats can win races next year. That's happening out of public view this time. In addition, lawmakers included a provision in the budget that specifically makes records related to that process exempt from open records laws. This is what Senate Leader Phil Berger said when asked why. Remember a lot of the redistricting things that take place uh, uh, are controlled by what the courts uh, will tell us, both federal and state courts, as to what information is available. Lawmakers are expected to be back here in Raleigh next week voting on the congressional districts. Lawsuits are likely to follow quickly after that, with candidates filing to run in just two months. Live in Raleigh, Michael Highland, CBS 17 News. Didn't we just go through this? Mm. Sure feels like it, Michael. Michael, thank you. The state budget doesn't come without controversy. It does every single year, no matter what. I mean, Governor Cooper could not have been more happy. I mean, he's been pounding the drum for the expansion of Medicaid and Medicare and all that stuff. And he finally got it and then didn't want to sign the budget because he didn't like some of the other things in there. Like, hey, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. He didn't like it. So there you go. It's his own little protest, even though he's been banging the drum for that health expansion for six years now, I guess it is. Also going on right now with the North Carolina state legislatures and the Senate and stuff like that are the redrawing of all the lines for the congressional districts and the state representative districts and maybe even the state Senate districts. Here's the thing. No matter how the lines are drawn, no matter how, the day that they are released, which is probably going to be in about one to two weeks, The day they are released is the day many people are going to file many, many lawsuits. Maybe Jeff Jackson's team files a lawsuit because maybe he's drawn out of a district and he's going to be forced to run for attorney general, even though he point blank told me to my face in a live in an exclusive interview that he really, really enjoys being in Washington, D.C. And he thinks there's a lot of good people up there that only maybe 10 percent of them on the two extreme sides are the troublemakers that everyone else pretty much gets along really well in the middle. I would also venture a guess that the lawsuits have already been drawn up and they're just waiting for the lines. That no matter what happens with the lines, the lawsuits are going to be presented and here you go. The NAACP, the ACLU, who knows who's going to file these lawsuits. But I am telling you right now, There will be lawsuits. There may be two lawsuits. There may even be three lawsuits going against certain individuals or groups. I'm telling you, 
it's going to be lawsuit a go-go. And don't think that the Republicans don't know this. Who knows if they're actually going to prepare for the lawsuits and are ready for the lawsuits to defend the lawsuits. But I will tell you this. People need to know what's going on by the end of November because they have to officially file for running for office. Now, if you say, oh, I'm going to run for District 10. Really? Well, how do you know how the lines are going to be in District 10? You don't. You have to wait. The lawsuits are going to be filed in a couple of weeks. Are they going to be done by the time people need to start filing for office? And don't forget, March 5th is the primary. So is everything and all the lawsuits going to be settled by March 5th? Or are we going to have to push all this stuff back down the road and the state races and the congressional races and all that stuff? Is it going to have to be pushed back into the summer? Like, who knows? Okay, so when we come back, I understand that you Carolina Panther fans are really upset at the current situation. I get it. The offense is really, really bad. So when we come back, I'm going to have the press conference today from Frank Reich, the head coach, where he was asked nonstop about the play of Bryce Young and this offense. But right now, we're swinging on over to the WBT Newsroom with Anna Erickson. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Wednesday night edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110. As always, that's the telephone number. And guys, follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen. All right, so look, usually I do Panther Friday. And we have the press conference from Bryce Young. And I like to play Bryce Young's entire press conference. Without any of those 30-second sound bites, I want you to hear the questions and then hear his response. A lot of people are upset at the way the Panthers are playing. Rightly so. They're 0-4. The offense is anemic. Like, it's really, really, really bad. So I thought I would let you hear Frank Reich's press conference from today because almost every single question was about Bryce Young, the offense, maybe trading for a top wide receiver, and hey, do you look at the other two quarterbacks that you passed on, Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud? Some very interesting stuff here, and even if you're not a diehard Carolina Panthers fan, it's pretty interesting some of the answers that he's giving about Bryce Young. So here's head coach Frank Reich. Frank, um, any adjustments uh, with Bryce? Uh, you've seen him now for a month and, and have more of a sense probably of what he likes and whatever else, but uh, just can you speak to that a little yeah, I think every week we're making minor tweaks and adjustments, you know, based on our team, based on our players, certainly the quarterback, Bryce, as you said, Scott. Um, some of those adjustments are based on what we do and what our players like, and the more we get to know them, some of the adjustments are based on what the defense is and how do you put those two things together. So that, that is definitely a, a, a week-to-week thing that we're doing. Frank, I think sometimes it's hard when you're not in the building to see some of the things that that are building and growing. And I'm wondering what specifically you've liked from Bryce in this first month. There are, without question, things that are growing and building, not just with Bryce, but really, I I believe, with the whole team. Um, Coming together around the systems, you know, that we're running, um, more familiarity with them, you know, more tweaking to what we do best and what our players like and and try to put them in the best position. what I also feel is the staff coming, you know, it's a new staff coming together. So once you get into the game planning process now into, you know, into this week right here, week five, you know, kind of getting that rhythm of the game planning process and continuing to refine that and how we work together as a new staff, those, I feel a lot of strong momentum there. How would you um, grade or evaluate his pre-snap decisions he's been making? Uh, 
I'd grade him high. I'd grade his, his mental the decisions, um, you know, on check, the, what, however many checks we've had. Um, it's not been perfect, but no quarterback ever is. Um, but all things considered, I think his pre-snap decisions have been good. I think the Lions have the top rushing defense in the league right now. I know you guys have been trying to get that run game going. How can you do that and then also open up the field kind of price? Yeah, I mean, the Lions uh, have the number one run defense and either the number one or two rushing offense. So um, that's to their credit, right? So we go in, we're trying to do the same thing. We want to, you know, we want to get our run game going. We want to be a, have a more balanced attack. You know, you don't want to beat your head up against a wall and we want to play smart. So it's always going to be a balance. And um, I don't, I've had too many games in this league as a play caller where you're going against the number one rushing defense and then you still go in and have a good day that you, you can't allow that to just push you off that. You got to use that as a challenge to the guys. Really, you know, we're going in with wanting to have a balanced attack and then you adapt and adjust as the game is unfolds. Miles Sanders is kind of kind of up there percentage wise on Sunday. How do you kind of get him going with that chunk yardage? I think that will kind of spur his question. Listen, we love Miles as a player. You know, we, we need to continue to give him um, some opportunities. Um, you know, Chuba has run well uh, also. So we've always been kind of running back by committee. Miles has been, you know, has been our guy. Um, and listen, my experience with the running backs is much like receivers. You know, there's kind of an ebb and flow to it. Sometimes a guy gets going for a game or two, and then it flips back the other way. So, um, you know, we brought Miles here to be a playmaker for us. Um, you know, I believe over the course of the season that will sh that will show itself. Frank, when you were hired, you kept using the phrase diversity of thought, talking about your staff. As you guys are kind of into a month deep of putting together game plans, talking about things, calling games, that kind of stuff, how has that evolved? Have you guys kind of gotten closer together in terms of where you are after coming from different places? There's no doubt we've gotten closer together. It's been, that's, you know, you're sitting here 0-4 and, and you're disgusted about that and, it, you know, it's pretty painful. But at the same time, there's a lot of energy and juice, like in our game planning meetings, and it's growing because I think we all feel it, you know, as as a staff. Like, oh yeah, this is how this is how it's coming together, you know, um, knowing, you know, more forming to what we want to do to the to the identity that we want to be, and it's an incremental process. Um, and now five weeks into it, um, it does when you have that diversity of thought. The cost of that is it may take a little bit of time to develop the chemistry and the process that everyone is really in the groove. Um, but then I believe that once you're in the groove, the benefit and the dividends that that pays of having that diversity of thought will start to show. Frank, there have been a couple reports that you guys are interested in bringing in a wide receiver one. Is that something you believe would be beneficial for Brown? This is the same answer for me all the time, every every year I've ever been in this position. You know, once we get in season, I, I just want the guys we got. You know what I mean? I, I'm happy with the I love the guys we got. Well, um, we got the guys we need to win. Scott's the G, you know, th that's why to me there, it makes sense to have the division of the GM and the head coach. Scott is always going to be working to do his job to uh, make what, you know, to initiate. He's certainly going to involve me in those decisions if something comes up. But those aren't things that I'm going to him initiating on. 
you know, I'm not initiating those discussions with him. He's doing what he's doing, looking to do his job. I'm coaching the guys that we got, and I'm happy about the guys we got. Frank, you, you talked about things building and growing in the direction you want to, and you also talked about being on the floor and everybody had. How do you stay patient and stay true to what you want to do and not? You, you have to have, yeah, it's a great question. You have to have the maturity to feel the urgency and the demand to win right now. And you have to balance that with the perspective of, you know, the big picture. And sometimes it takes time. And those both can be true, you know. And I could stand up here and say the Lions were one in six last year, you know. I can stand up here and say, you know, this about this quarterback and his rookie year offense. And I could give a million examples of turnarounds. Um, but that doesn't really play, right? I mean, we all want to, you know, our fan, we want to win now. Our fans want to win now. And we are doing, you know, everything we can to win now. But I also have experienced enough and been around enough and know enough to know we're on the right track. And I believe that with all my heart. Players, process, we're on the right track. And we will get there. Um, it's just a matter. It's not if, in my mind, it's when. So we're fighting and scratching in the meantime and uh, look forward to this week. You mentioned the Lions. I mean, it kind of turned on a dime for them. Even the Monday night game for the Jets, down 17 nothing, and it's all of a sudden like a light bulb came on. And, you, know, and you, you saw them take off and their quarterback take off. What do you feel has got to happen, though, for you're close, but it's got to get you kind of over the edge to have that happen? I do think there's defining moments. You know, um, often there's often, not always, there's a defining moment. You get to, you know, we've had a couple of these games. We've gotten to the fourth quarter. We're in and then just don't quite finish. So, you know, what it's going to take is we're going to get in that moment and we're going to finish the right way. We're going to we're going to make the calls. We're going to make the plays that it takes to win that game. And um, many times that can be a catalyst to get things going, to breed some confidence, you know, back into the team to remember what it's like and this is what it takes. This is the mindset. This is how we finish. This is who we are. Um, that's, it's just all, you know, I mean, that's what it, that's usually what happens. Frank, um, since you got to know these guys in the draft process and went through all that, do you keep up at all with Stroud and Richardson and the other rookie quarterbacks and how that's going? Yes. Um, you know, I don't spend a lot of time on it, but every week, you know, and I do this every year. I'm not just doing it because we drafted a quarterback. This has been, you know, because I'm an offensive quarterback guy, um, and I always evaluate the quarterbacks when they're playing. I'll, like, towards the end of the week, once all the game planning is done, I'll pop on, you know, all their throws from the previous game. Just buzz through it, see, see what they look like, what are they doing. Um, and like I said, as a coach, hey, I know what we want to, you know, we know what we want to do, but it's not like we're closed off to, is somebody else doing something that could help us? And maybe there's an idea. Maybe there's an idea. Maybe there's not. But we're always open to learning and getting getting better. We'll take a couple more. Frank, when these guys had some success in the run game at the end of last season, it was mostly downhill blocking scheme. Have you seen the transition to, to more of a zone look? Uh, you know, is that been something that's tripped up some of these linemen? And do you think? Some of them might not have that skill set. Um, fair question. I really do think what we're doing is uh, it's a combination of both of those things. We do run probably a little bit more zone scheme than what they ran last year. But there's still a bunch of the what 
we would call the duo play, you know, what everybody calls the duo play. That, you know, that's a big part of our offense. You can do that from 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 13 personnel. Um, in, in fact, in our limited run game so far, if you took it off, you know, what's been the run we've run the most, I'm guessing that that's, that's our number one run. And then, you know, the inside zone would be the second, and then the outside zone would be three. Frank, back to the last one. You said you are obviously a quarterback and offensive guy. Do you see, and Bryce is going through the system and going through the, everything you guys are, are implementing. Is he, in your mind, playing by the book, or is he kind of freeing up a little bit and just going out and playing? Yeah. Yeah. So, what we're hoping is it's somewhere, in, you know, don't want him playing by the book. Don't want him just going out and doing his thing. You know, want him to be, you know, there's always the, there's, we always say it's two sides of the same coin. There's, you know, playing with discipline, understanding what the progression and what the, what's the purpose of the play. But at the same time, and dude, you got some unique traits. Like, you know, you can create in ways that nobody else can create. The way the arm angles he can throw it, how quick he can get it out, his movements in the pocket, his ability to find lanes and, and make, the, you know, the throw he made to Thielen last week on a third down. Like, they're, they're, there's just not many guys that are playing today that can make that play. So um, I've been really – I just think this is all normal. I mean, it's terrible that we're 0-4. It's terrible that we haven't had more success on offense, you know, for him to feel that a little bit more. But I really believe and know that that's coming. And so, you know, it is what it is. You know, there will be stuff that we gain – that he gains, that we gain as an offense, that we gain as a team through going through this difficulty, the mental toughness and the grit, all those things, fighting through that will pay dividends later. Some really interesting stuff there from Frank Reich. So, look, I know the Carolina Panther fans, I know you guys are freaking out, but again, you can't really expect much in four games from a rookie quarterback and from a bad offensive line and to a receiving core that has no good wide receivers, maybe other than an aging Adam Thielen. So I don't know what you should expect, other than maybe some of the stuff that you've already got. Okay, so when we come back, we'll send you off into the night with a little bit of news here and there concerning CMS. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Wednesday edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen. All right, so let me give you some CMS stuff. Once again, it involves situations at a middle school. Like, we are getting more and more situations and bad situations at middle schools than I remember since covering CMS. Like, it seems like it's a lot lately. And today it happened at Kennedy Middle School. There was a rumor going around about someone possibly having a gun. Then all kinds of chaos happened. Kids started misbehaving. Next thing you know, boom, it's on a soft lockdown. What happens? Principal gets hurt. A police officer gets hurt. And another school employee gets hurt. Then after that, couple of students get arrested. Students had to be detained. Like, students actually got arrested today. Think about that. The principal got hurt. I don't know if they're actually telling parents everything, but that's what happened. And maybe they don't want parents to know. I, I have no idea. Maybe they're saying, well, we don't want people to really know what's actually going on. But this was the situation that occurred at Kennedy Middle School today. Uh, a fracas 
and a rumor about a gun and a principal getting hurt and a police officer getting hurt and another employee getting hurt and two students being arrested at a middle school, a middle school. CMS is not going well this year. Like things are actually going pretty poorly from inside its central office all the way to what's happening at the actual schools, including football games. I mean, I I don't know. It's just things are not going well this year so far. And we're only what, like a month, month and a half into the school year. Things are really not going well right now for CMS. Like it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty tough start so far for CMS inside and out. Okay. Once again, I want to thank everyone who joined me tonight. I really do appreciate it. Tomorrow's going to be a really big show. So I'm telling you right now, you really need to join me tomorrow night. I, I, I don't say this often, but you really need to join me tomorrow night. Tomorrow's going to be a big show. So enjoy tonight, everyone. I really do appreciate it. And if you missed the videos of me and Brett Winnable on Facebook, you can go to the WBT Facebook page. And if you missed any part of tonight's show, including the situation involving Susan Rodriguez McDowell being unhappy that Mint Hill got all that money from the state, Mint Hill's in her district, by the way. And if you go to WBT.com, you can hear the audio of her last night at the Mecklenburg County Commissioner's meeting, actually just not happy and lamenting and just, um, she wasn't exploding, but she was, I don't know, sarcastic, if you will. She just wasn't happy that a town in her district actually got about $18 million to make its town better, including helping fund the police and, you know, helping out the Historic Society and the town's local athletic association and even $16 million for the town rec and community center. Like, she's not happy that the town just got better and it's in her district. But if you missed it, go back to WBT.com and listen to my report and the actual audio of her just not being happy about the situation. All right, everyone, until tomorrow, I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.